You might ask, how do I choose the guests for my interviews? Because I don't always do interviews. I do them on occasion. And you might say, well, is today's guest on the show because he's taken six different stations to number one in the morning on radio? We're talking here, uh, both in the U.S. and Canada. No. Is it because he's also been a stand-up comic, a singer, a restaurateur, a best-selling author, a college professor, and also a world record holder, which we'll get to maybe in a future episode, and a pile of other things? No. Is it because he wrote his first radio commercial in 1983 and then won an award in 1984, which you'll hear about in a second? No, not really, because I didn't know any of that. I just know that Neil Headley was a listener and he said, hey, I'm driving home back to Canada, and it looks like I'm going to be coming very close to your city. Do you think we could meet up? And anytime I have a chance to meet one of my listeners, I'm the answer is always yes. And when he said, oh, and by the way, since it was around the time of my birthday, why don't I take you out for dinner? Hey, that's a double yes. And we had a phenomenal conversation talking a little bit about his background, but I didn't know any of that stuff. I just knew he was a listener, and once I met him and we were talking and kind of ping-ponging ideas back and forth, I said, you have to come on the show, especially with your background. So today, we're going to talk about things that podcasters can learn from a guy that's been doing radio since he was a wee lad. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense. 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where we help you plan, launch, grow, and if you want to, monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And don't forget, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. That was a lot to do in one breath. Holy cow. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks so much. I realize you're busy and you're taking time to listen to me. I do deeply appreciate it. And I always like to spotlight fun stories. Or if somebody launches a podcast, I like to give them a quick shout out. So we're going to take a second to check out a quick promo from my buddy Matt Rafferty. The show is called The Author Inside You. And it goes a little something like this. 80% of all Americans want to write a book, yet only 3% ever finish. The Author Inside You podcast talks to authors about writing, publishing, and promoting their book. You can listen to these informative and motivational interviews on your computer or on your smartphone for free. The Author Inside You podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, and at theauthorinsideyou.com. Right on. Thank you, Matt and Leah. I'll have links to that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 817. And Matt is also part of a group I run in Northeast Ohio called, creatively enough, the Northeast Ohio Podcasters Meetup. You can find that at neohiopodcasters.com. If you're in this region, we'd love to have you. Before we get to our interview with Neil, now, if you are a regular listener of the show, you know one of the pieces of advice that I give is most of the time the audience doesn't need to know how the sausage is made 
Unless, of course, you're doing a how-to podcast, which is what I'm doing today and have been for 17 years. So I want to play a clip because I'm, I think to me, one of the keys to a great podcast, and we talk about this a little bit, is editing. Because Neil is going to explain, and I've said this before, it's like a seesaw. The more prep you do, the less editing you do. So what I'm doing here is we have a, a, I have a list of topics in front of me. I know where we're going to go, but we're going to have a conversation but what this is, it's a question I ask that wasn't on the list. And I'm going to play this clip of me, and you're going to hear me give Neil a bunch of reasons as to why I'm asking the question and all this other stuff. And in the end, what I edit out of this is me sounding like an idiot. But here's the original version. Is there like a formula, like a good tease always blah, blah, blah? Because I think it's a skill that I don't really work on much. I don't think I'm probably very good at it. And I think a lot of people go, yeah, I probably should do that. Here's, Is there any kind of like teasing 101? Don't give away. So you can hear poor Neil's trying to answer the question. He's like, shut up, Dave. I'll answer your question if you can just, I don't know, get it out of your face. And really the question, I started it off. I stated it fairly well at the very beginning, which was. Is there like a formula, like a good tease always blah, blah, blah. I mean, did that need a lot of explanation? Oh, Neil, that's such a hard question. Let me explain it for you. No, but for whatever reason, I was giving the reason, hey, sometimes I do this poorly, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I hear people leave that in. And of course, it's your show. You can do what you want. But a lot of times what I'm cutting out of an interview is me sounding like an idiot. And so you're going to hear us talk about ums anytime for me that I can make my guest or me sound better. I always eliminate that stuff. And that's an example of something that I would remove. So you'll hear that question again, and you'll hear how I edit it with my talk from, with Neil Headley from knobstudio.com of links to everything we talk about today at school of podcasting.com slash eight one seven. All right. Well, Neil, thanks for coming on the show. Are you kidding? I get to be with a Hall of Famer. How do you beat that? <laughs> I got to ask one thing. I was looking at your bio and it said you won an award for your kind of like a commercial thing you had done yep. at the age of 15, which was in 1984, which means you started radio when you were 14. I started right before my 14th birthday. I was uh, pushing buttons at a radio station, a beautiful music radio station, lots and lots of Montavani. And it was my job to play the reel of tape that the announcers were on. And uh, I accidentally, on purpose, erased one of those reels of tape at the age of uh, 15. And that's how I got my start on the air. I accidentally, on purpose, destroyed someone else's tracks that they had pre-recorded for a show. And the program director went, well, I guess you're going to have to go on yourself, big guy. And you went, darn. I, I mentioned earlier, you're, you just have this wide vast of commercials and radio and ads and coaching and writing and being a comedian. And also, you, you've been there. You've done that. And you're now kind of taking all that information and putting it into your new venture. And we were talking about different things that podcasters can learn from radio because yeah. I, as much as podcasting, we both talk into a microphone and that whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. There are things I, I think radio people can learn from podcasters. And I think podcasters especially can learn from radio because those four guys are like, you know, and girls are tied with their hands behind their back and they're blindfolded. And then they're like, okay, you have 37 seconds. Be funny. 
Yeah. Here's, here's what drives me crazy about all of that is there seems to be this us versus them sort of mm-hmm. mentality, particularly among podcasters, where it's like radio sucks. Well, look, I mean, uh, the owner of one of the biggest podcast platforms on the planet uh, has a podcast of his own where he talks about how radio sucks. I'm in a Discord group, a Discord server with a bunch of other podcasters. And one of them, when she wants to really emphasize that something is bad, she says, oh, that is so radio. And I thought, well, wait a minute, boil it down for a second. And really, technology aside, just from a content perspective, what is podcasting? It is spoken word audio. Well, radio has been doing spoken word audio for more than a century. and Somebody at some point in the history of radio broadcasting in that century plus must have done something along the way <laughs> that is worth paying attention to and maybe learning from. And so let's uh, let's dive in. What's your what's your first tip? Tighten it up. Podcast? Tighten it up. <laughs> I jumped in right on you there. No, <laughs> tighten it up, because look, one thing that if you you've done live radio and let's acknowledge some of the podcasters that have done live radio, you. Evo Terra, James Cridland, Tom Webster, some of the giants in the podcast space have experience in front of a live mic at a radio station. And one of the things you become intensely aware of in that situation is that everybody that's listening right now can go anywhere else they want. There is no pause button to come back to you later. If you lose me at any point, I can just go away because there's 27 other stations. I can, you know, throw on some music. I can listen to Spotify. I can go over to podcasts. I can do a million things. So every second of what I do has to be interesting and compelling for you. And so it's one of those things that you just become hyper aware of. You can be in the middle of a conversation. You can go, oh, gosh, this conversation has been going on for 87 seconds now. That's too long. And that's literally what gets drilled into the heads of some radio people, but I'll give you a very quick and easy way to teach yourself how to tighten stuff up. Once you're done recording your podcast episode, print, and it's important that you print it, print out a transcript of what you just recorded, and then grab a pen and cross out everything that you wouldn't put in a promo for your show. Everything that wouldn't go in a promo, get rid of it, cross it out. And then the only trick becomes once you do it for a while or you work with a coach who can show you or whatever, however it is you get from A to B, you just learn along the way how to do that editing in real time instead of worrying about doing that editing in post. And if you're going to tighten it up, you got to get into this headspace of everything I'm going to say has to serve a purpose. So those moments where you're fumbling around through your notes, trying to figure out what you're going to say next, or those conversations that we've all heard on podcasts where there's more than one person where someone will go, yeah, so uh, anyway, no, 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 no. There's no yes. So uh, anyway, on live radio, (laughs) because I'm punching out to another station while you're busy trying to figure out what you're going to say next. So, yes, tighten it up. Critical because your listeners attention is valuable. We attention as currency. We pay attention just like we pay money. It has value. Don't waste it. And for me, I think the the great tip there is transcribe your podcast, not for show notes, although a lot of people love to do that. 
but I use it for editing. So if you want to have a pull quote, you know, that, that golden nugget that somebody said, it's super easy to find in a transcript instead of sitting there and listening to, you know, your 45 minute interview over again, there's all sorts of benefits of transcriptions that have nothing to do with, with show notes. And And the reason I say print it is because there is something, and my Mm. neuroscientist friends will tell you that there is something about tangibly having it, a tactile sense of I'm crossing this out that is different than hitting the delete button in Descript. Uh, It just somehow wires it into your brain a little bit more firmly that it's like, no, that thing right there, that's got to go. And you cross it out with a Sharpie or whatever it is you're using. And one of the benefits of podcasting is, hey, it's podcasting. You can do whatever you want. There are no rules. Well, and and you're like, eh, maybe not. Hold on a second. There. Yeah, rules are helpful. That's the second thing on my list. Look, if you say something on live radio that you're not supposed to say, if you, for example, give out false or misleading scientific information or any of those kinds of things, you uh, drop an F-bomb, You've got the FCC to answer for, at least in the United States, the Federal Communications Commission. Here in Canada, it's called the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission. Um, but they are the government watchdogs that are making sure you're not saying anything that you're supposed to say, not supposed to say. Well, if you run afoul of those bodies, um, you could lose your job. Your station could lose its license. And so it became important very quickly for live radio announcers to be able to find, let's say, more refined ways of communicating their message, ways that, you know, for example, would be okay if there were kids in the back seat of the car. And that's one of the things that gets drummed into the heads of every radio announcer that's on the radio in the morning. Remember, there are probably kids in the back of the car and mom or dad is taking them to school. Don't disappoint them by talking about something that you shouldn't while their children are listening. Pretend it's your children back there. Would you really say that thing? And again, you can avoid all of that by tightening things up and prepping what you're going to say. So if you know what you're going to say, you don't need to get into stuff that this, the, the government would prefer that you didn't say. Let's leave it at that. And like you said, with the kids in the back, if you have to ask, my general rule is if somebody comes to me and goes, hey, I said this in a podcast, do I need to mark it explicit? If you're asking me, the answer is yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, no question. Number three, post-production. What do you say to the person that says, well, I just want to keep it real? I'll give you a couple of examples. Tom Webster, you know, who does a great podcast called I Hear Things, uh, doesn't do any editing in his podcast. And I'm a fan of that. But one of the reasons that Tom can do it and that I can do it and that I think that other people should strive to do it is that there is that prep that went in in advance. There's the knowing what you were going to say, which will save you all kinds of time in post-production. Look, if you are counting on your your post-production skills to save you from having to prep your show, here's what I can promise you. Someday, it is going to bite you in the keister. So I don't have to worry about things in post because I don't do any post. But the reason I can get away with it is because there's so much prep that has gone into it in advance. And to be honest, 40 years of talking into a mic for a living um, that has gotten me to the stage where, and there's another thing. I just said, um, I don't know, Dave, if you're going to go back and edit the um out, I don't, you're not a big um editor, 
but there are people who obsess and there are pieces of software out there that will take away every breath noise, every mouth click, every whatever is out there, any ums and uhs and all those things that will edit them. Hold on. People, when they're talking, say um. You know, they say, you know, they say, uh, they make mouth noises. If you get really hyper obsessed with editing every single one of those things out, here's what happens. Yes, it's clean and pristine and it sounds unnatural because your voice may as well at that point have been generated by an AI because it doesn't sound like a person talking anymore. You might as well have just done that thing. What's that function they have in Descript where if you read enough copy, it can mimic your voice for you and just read whatever you type in. It becomes like that and it's flawless and awesome, but it doesn't sound like you anymore. People say, um, live with it. Yeah, for me, I've always gone, if I'm listening and I hear it, and it's what I call low hanging fruit. So if somebody goes, I think it's uh, four o'clock, I'd probably take that one out if yeah. I was there, if I heard it. Yeah. The ones that I the ones that I don't do is if somebody goes, I think it's four o'clock. Like I'm not going in with a scalpel. No. To, to pull that out. No, because you're going to run them. They run together and and people will hear there's that sound in between. There's that moment where, you know, normal speech has ebbs and flows to it. And yeah. and if you start to get too granular with the editing, you start to take all of that magic out. And it just, you know, even the software that will remove silent pauses, well, hold on. Some oh. of my silent pauses have a purpose to them. You know, there's a reason why they're there. So I don't want to leave it up to an AI to tell me that uh, it should have been 1.4 seconds of silence there instead of the 1.6 that I had. You know, cut it out. Like, take all that time that you're obsessing over the the ums and the uhs and the mouth clicks and all that and focus on just having great content. Focus on getting it to a stage where you don't need to do any editing in post because you got it right the first time and you don't have to go back. That's where your energy, I think, should be. And that's where the energy is for a live radio announcer because there is no take two. It just <laughs> happened. It's too late to go back and fix it. Well, what's another thing we can learn from radio folks? Back to the F-bombs, as I, uh, as I promised. Look, here is the thing. Every single word matters. And if you go and see, and I hate to burst anyone's bubble on this, but if you go and see a stand-up comic, even if it's a stand-up comic that drops 100 F-bombs in the course of their show, if you go back and you see that comic three nights in a row, here's what I promise you. If that comic is any good, the F-bombs will be in exactly the same place every single show. Why? Because, and this is another thing, you know, we talk about, you talked about my bio. I'm in this weird headspace where I feel like everything I've done can teach me something about whatever it is I'm working on now. I used to say to my broadcasting students, if you are serious about making a living off of spoken word, go to the comedy club in your town and whether they call it open mic night, amateur night, whatever they call it, work on five minutes of material there until you get it pretty close to perfect. Five minutes of material. And it's got to be five minutes of material that you wrote. Don't go and do uh, five minutes of George Carlin. Like go in and you come up with the words yourself because every single word matters. Like a comic will tell you, for example, I have a friend uh, who's a comic in uh, New Jersey. His name is Billy Terrell. 
Billy was trying to describe something as being big, and he said it was half the size of Schenectady. Well, Schenectady is a town in New York State. There are tons of other words that he could have put in there, tons of other towns other than Schenectady, except that Schenectady itself is a funny word. So it's just one of those things where, like, there's an expressway in upstate New York called the Skajakwita Expressway. Come on. Like, it's just, it sounds funny, but every single comic that is working knows that they need to massage every single word that is in their act. You come up with a joke, if you're a stand-up comedian, you're probably going to do that joke 500 times before you retire it, maybe a thousand times before that joke is no longer a part of your act. And guess what? You're going to still be trying to figure out and tweak the exact right words a couple of hundred shows in because every single word matters. I heard an episode of School of Podcasting where you talked about begin with the end in mind, a great quote from Stephen Covey and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And If you begin with the end in mind, you are less likely to be stumbling around trying to figure out where you meant to go next and just off the cuff riffing with whatever pops into your head because you already know the point you're trying to make and you've already figured out in advance what is the most effective way of getting from A to B. My favorite word so far this episode, Mm. keister. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was going to be Skajakwita. <laughs> no, no, no. When you said that, I giggled and I was like, you know, that's exactly what he's talking about. And I could have said bite you in the ass. but could have, but, but you said keister. Bite you in the keister. Keister to me is a funnier word and more impactful. Right. And so you'll almost never hear me say that something's going to bite you in the ass. I will say that it's going to bite you in the keister. It's just, it's another example of words word. matter. Pick the word that is the most effective. I know with your copywriting background, you probably have a swipe file of Mm -hmm. your favorite headlines and things like that. I have a swipe file of words. Like I have a thing in Evernote that I think it's just called cool. One of them was recreational outrage. I love that. (laughs) It was David Lee Roth on Joe Rogan. He's like, man, go back to the American pastime, recreational outrage. And I was like, I'm recreational. I'm like, I'm writing that down. Yeah. uh, So I always, anytime I hear a funny word or a fun phrase, I'm like, okay, somewhere in the future, I'm going to use that. So just thinking about this, what you're, what you're really kind of painting the picture is you're not just turning on the microphone and winging it. No, there's a little thought here and I'm really ready for this next tip because I know what's coming and I don't believe you're talking about na, 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 when you say learn Learn, how to tease. Yeah. Learn how to tease. Uh, The tease is so incredibly important and especially important. It's one of the skills that you have to nail down if you're on live radio. Uh, I'll use Howard Stern as an example. Back when Howard Stern was on terrestrial radio, it was normal, normal for a seven minute, eight minute, nine minute sometimes commercial break. And I know it was, there was an episode of school podcasting just recently, Dave, where you were talking about, you know, I'm, I'm checking out after five, but the thing with Howard Stern is the ratings data suggested that people stayed all the way through the seven, eight, nine minutes. Why? Because they knew that Howard was going to come back with gold when the commercials were over and they didn't know if this break was going to be three minutes long or nine minutes long, whatever it was. They just knew that they didn't want to miss whatever it was he was going to come back with next because Howard 
had this brilliant way of coming back from the commercials with something that was so compelling and the thing that everybody was going to be talking about when they got to work the next day. And you didn't want to be the one person at work that missed what Howard said. And for podcasters, there are ways to get that done. If you're lucky enough to have commercials in your show, whether they're host read ads or whether they're you know, dynamically inserted or whatever, you got a couple of options. You know, you can say, for example, uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, tightening it up, but first, and then you do the commercial. Uh, Really? The best you're going to give me is, but first, that's not compelling. That's not (laughs) going to keep me from hitting the skip button because what if the commercial is, uh, is only 20 seconds long and my skip button is set to 45? Well, I don't want to miss whatever the first thing was that you said when you come back, you know, let's instead give you a tease like, you know, uh, when we come back, the woman whose husband showed uh, showed up at their wedding dressed as Chewbacca. Suddenly I'm in, you've got me and I'm going to listen through whatever it is you need me to listen through to make sure that I don't miss what you're coming back with because I know that it's going to be good. But the whole idea of going into a commercial by saying, but first. No, it's cute, but it's not going to keep me. And the thing that radio DJs in particular are intimately familiar with, look, there are some that will say it's their job to entertain you. Some will say their job is to inform you, whatever it is, their real job, especially in an era where there are these multi trillion dollar corporations that own 300 radio stations, they're (laughs) the DJs one and only real job much like the news anchor on your favorite cable news net or whatever, their real job is to keep you tuned in through the end of the commercials. Why? Because the commercials pay the bills. And so if you're gone when the commercials are on, well, then they're not making as much money. If they're not making as much money, heads are going to roll. People are going to lose their jobs. So they are very tuned in to making sure that you stay until the commercials are over and they're back on. Oh, this is so meta. The key to a good tease is coming right up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there like a formula? Like a good tease always blah, blah, blah. Don't give away so much that I can evaluate whether or not I need to be here next week. We've all seen movie trailers, for example, where you watch the movie trailer and you go... Okay, that's everything funny that's going to happen in that movie. I don't need to go and see it now because I've seen all the funny stuff. Don't give me so much in your tease for next week that I have enough information to be able to decide I don't want to be here. One of the things I used to drum into the heads of my broadcasting students was that an interview, the only thing an interview is, is a conversation that is so interesting, you can't help but eavesdrop on it. Mm. And the minute that you suck the interest out of that conversation for me, then it's not an interview that's worth listening to anymore. Leave some mystery so that I want to hear what else is coming, you know? Absolutely. Because one of the other things about, you know, your teases and your throws to Bray and all the, all the different things that you do, they all go together in this enduring picture of you. Everything you do contributes to what my impression of you is. And by the way, I've kind of morphed us into point number six. You don't have any control where it is on your path 
I'm going to discover you. Set a benchmark now for what you want the production values, what you want the level of quality for that show to be and have that be your baseline. You can improve from there, but don't start by hitting record, throwing on the mic and stumbling your way through and work your way up to a baseline that you're finally going to discover around episode 12 because I've seen it happen more times than my wife would care to relate because she has seen me binge listen to so many people's podcasts where I will go through everything they've ever done from episode one forward. So ask yourself, is episode one in my catalog right now the way I would want people to discover me? For a lot of people, that answer is no. And people will say, I didn't really find my stride until the sixth episode. Okay, so don't release those first five or yes, preach it, brother. Yeah, you don't have to release everything you record. No, don't put the first five out if you didn't start being good until episode number six. Use the first five as practice. They're spring training, you know, for your podcast, whatever it is you want to call it. It's preseason. Don't put them out if you're not proud of them and if they're not at a standard that you are going to be proud to maintain going forward. Another thing as you talk about this, I'm sitting here thinking Seinfeld, Cheers, and Friends are three kind of iconic TV shows, sure. none of which I watched episode one. I caught them somewhere in season two because people were talking about it. Yep. So I love that idea. And and, and you, bring up, you bring up a great point, and I'm glad you did, because your first episode of Seinfeld or Friends or Cheers or Frasier or whatever it was had to be killer. It had to be killer because it was the thing that was going to determine how many people were there for episode two, because episode one was good enough. Then people who watched episode one were going to tell their friends. And suddenly you had a whole crap load of new people come in for episode two and et cetera, et cetera, where we didn't have the option of going back and watching everything that had ever been done in the entire history of a show. Yeah, that's why I'm not a huge fan of starting episode one with your story. Hi, I'm Dave. I did this. I did this, blah, blah, blah. And here's why I decided to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm like, nope, let's come out with something that's going to hit them in the face and go, holy cow, where's that been all the time? And then once they pick themselves off the floor because you just gave them phenomenal content, you go, oh, by the way, I'm Dave Jackson. Here's why I started this podcast. But to start off with a 10 minute, like, I'm like, I don't know who you are and I don't care that you were, you know, king of the high school. What's the name of that city again? Shopping in (laughs) Lacoste. Schenectady. Schenectady, here we go. And then your your last tip here is one of my favorites that I preach all the time. Yep. And that is uh, talk to one person. Yeah, and this one kind of gets beaten to death by a lot of people, uh, but it is worth repeating because let's add a little bit to it as well. Look, at its most basic level, talk to one person means I don't ever want to hear you say to me while I'm listening to your show, hi folks, or welcome back everybody. You know, there is no everybody. Ladies and gentlemen. La- yeah, ladies and gentlemen. I'm in my car. I'm stuck on the freeway. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's just me by myself. But because the stats will tell you that almost no one listens to a podcast with another person. That It's a very, very solitary, very private thing. So it's up to you, the podcaster, much like the radio announcer, to honor that. And it's one thing that is drilled into every radio DJ's head is that you're talking to just one 
person. If you have niched down your show far enough, then you know exactly who you're talking to. I went into great detail about this on an episode of my podcast that's coming out in a few weeks about the idea of we had at a station I worked at a complete demographic and psychographic profile built of our average listener. But then we took it a step further. We named her. We found a model that we thought looked like her and we took a photo of her and put it in a life-size cardboard cutout in the studio so that as we were sitting there talking, by the way, the person that we did this with, her fictitious name was Judy. But to all of us that worked at the radio station, Judy was a very real person. We knew how old she was. We knew how many kids she had, what kind of car she drives, what she likes to eat, her favorite movies, all these things about Judy that made her to us a very real person. And then every single thing the radio station did after that had to pass through the filter of, well, I don't know, would Judy like that? Is that something that Judy would be into? And if the answer is yes, then do it and stop obsessing over whether or not you're doing the right things. And it gives you as well the freedom to trash the stuff that Judy wouldn't like, that she wouldn't be into. Because if you're trying to do the show for everybody, then you're going to end up connecting with nobody. You're going to end up with this completely superficial, disposable show where because you never connect with anybody, then they don't feel a bond with you and you are not going to be missed if you pod fade because you're just a talking head that they don't really have any kind of relationship with. You're just a voice coming out of a speaker. But if you talk to me in a way that resonates with me and I feel like, yeah, this person, they, they know me, they, they, they're speaking my language. They, they, they're reading my mind right now. I'm not going to give up that connection that I have with you. And not only that, I will sit through your sort of more boring episodes or your poorly edited interviews or your whatever, your host read commercial that isn't really very good. All these different things that you do that aren't necessarily, you know, like I'll give you more wiggle room. There's a little bit more room for forgiveness on my part because you're my friend. Uh, and because yeah. you're my friend, I'll put up with some of your crap from time to time. But all of that requires a lot more than just sitting down in front of a microphone, hitting record and seeing what happens. It's got to have a formula to it. And these are all things that because of the live nature of it and because as a listener of live radio, I literally have here in Toronto, I literally have about 35 or 40 other live radio stations that I can punch over to right now that might be doing something better or more interesting than what you're doing. And if I'm in live radio, I know that. And so that's so much of this is stuff that radio people just do every day that I feel like podcasters could benefit so much from if we would just work little bits and pieces of it into our workflow for every episode. Absolutely. The one thing talking about to one person, and I always wonder if I'm just too sensitive, if I'm listening to somebody and I feel like they're talking to me and all of a sudden they go, thanks so much for watching. Be sure to click the bell, notify, subscribe, blah, blah. And all of a sudden it dawns on me, 
that I'm not listening to somebody talking to me. Right. They're talking to somebody on YouTube. And there's a part of me that goes, oh, mm-hmm. I'm just an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is that just a weird podcast thought or like, no, that's look again. That's one of those things that gets drummed into the heads of every success. You're not going to hear Ryan Seacrest say, Hey everybody. Nope. He doesn't say it because he knows he's Mm -hmm. talking to you sitting by yourself or maybe with your kids in the backseat in your car. And so he values that bond that the two of you have. You know, it's it's interesting because as podcasters, we talk about engagement a lot. And there's a lot of conversation about how can I get more engagement from my podcast? Well, hold on. How long is your show? Oh, it's 40 minutes. Okay. Here's what you don't recognize is that for 40 minutes, that person was engaged because they were sitting there and you had all of their attention. I'm sorry, you want more from them? Okay, because they just gave you 40 minutes of their time. They paid you 40 minutes of their attention. I think there's value there. Stop obsessing over whether or not they like your tweets for crying out loud. (laughs) Uh, Well, Neil, thanks for, for coming on the show. We had a great conversation when you were in town and I was like, dude, I got to have you come on the show. You can check out Neil's show, The Voice in My Head, and see his last name's Headley. So it's H-E-D, which is kind of cool. And the website is knopsstudio.com. And I, when I originally heard you on your show, thought it was Knobs <laughs> Studio. <laughs> and it's K-N-O-P-P-S. Well, actually, K-N-O-P-P Studios. Yes. Dot com. Yes. The K-N-O-P-P, Thank you, by sir. the way, comes from uh, the first initial from everyone in our house. I'm the N in the Knob Studios. My wife is the K, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's where the name of the, uh, that's where the, name of the enterprise comes from. But listen, um, if I might throw this in, if you yeah. feel like you or your podcast would benefit from somebody who, you know, spent 40 years on the radio and, and spent some time drumming this stuff every single day into the heads of radio DJs, um, feel free to reach out. And if you want to go to uh, knopstudios.com slash coaching, uh, I am not going to be able to teach you how to grow your audience and grow your influence and get more downloads. But what I can help you do is, yeah, sand off some of the rough edges. And if you go to knopstudios.com slash coaching and you grab one of the coaching packages, use the coupon code SOP and you'll get it for half price. How's that? Neil, thank you so much, buddy, for coming on the show. Everybody go out to knopstudio.com and uh, we'll see you in the future, my friend. Thanks, Dave. This was an absolute treat. It's like it's like sitting down with B.B. King, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> my house burned down. <laughs> I love you. All right. I realize somebody's going to go, Dave, I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, podcasting is not live radio. I get that. But we did an episode uh, probably two or three months ago about how long does it take you to create an episode? And for some people, it was really, really, really long. And that's where we kind of say it's like a teeter-totter. Less planning equals more editing. When you do more planning, you have less editing. And, you know, writers have rough drafts. Actors have dress rehearsals. There are a lot of things where you're going through the motions and you're not letting the public see it. So keep that in mind. You don't have to release everything that you record. I've had a few that I, I mean, I'm probably two years ago. I remember I recorded an episode 
three or four times because I didn't write down any notes, hence no planning, because I had that little voice in my head that said, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to talk. I got my bullet points in my head. Who needs to write it down? Yeah. And after about the fourth time of recording it and going on all sorts of tangents and losing my place, I went, hey, maybe we should write down some bullet points. And that's an easy mistake to make when you first start out. We talked a couple episodes ago about having a focus sentence. So all those things are great to keep you in line. We did talk about teasing. And as I was driving home tonight, I was listening to the show, What Was That Like? by Scott Johnson. And I went, oh, I'm definitely going to pull this in. This is such a good tease. As soon as he said it, I was like, wait, what? Listen to this. Tell me that you don't want to hear the rest of this podcast. Daryl Dean Ritter. Probably not a name you've heard before. In 1986, Ritter was 34 years old, and he was living in Warica, Oklahoma. In fact, he was living in the Jefferson County Jail. He was serving a seven-month sentence. The crime that landed him there sounds kind of silly by today's standards. He was convicted of possession of marijuana. Medical cannabis is now legal in Oklahoma, And there's a strong push currently for the legalization of recreational marijuana as well. So that's probably going to happen at some point. But back in 1986, getting caught with a baggie of weed in your pocket meant you were going to spend some time in jail. Well, Daryl Dean Ritter was not happy about that. And he decided he was not going to stay. So he came up with an escape plan. At the Jefferson County Jail, the cell doors were electronic. At night, the guard could flip one centrally located switch and all the doors would lock automatically. Well, one night, before the cell doors were all locked for the night, Ritter jammed a wad of paper in his door, which prevented it from being locked. He also made up his bunk to make it look like someone was sleeping there so the guards wouldn't suspect anything when they made their rounds overnight. I know, this sounds like a plot to a really low-budget movie. But Ritter's plan actually worked. He was able to sneak out of his cell and escape from the jail. Chances are he'd been there a few times before this, so it helped that he knew the layout of the place. The next morning, he was discovered missing. Assistant District Attorney Glenn Hammonds made a public statement to announce that they had an escapee and that authorities were on the hunt for him. Of course, he was soon captured and brought back to the jail to finish his sentence, with some more time added because of the escape. And you'd think that maybe after that, he'd get things figured out and start making some smarter decisions about his life. But 11 years later, he was back in the news. My guest today, Garrett, had an unexpected encounter with Daryl Dean Ritter. And neither of them could have predicted how it would end. Oh, that is so good. And you might say, ah, it's a little long. Nah, there's some good background stuff. And here's the thing. Is that guy in jail a good guy or a bad guy? Because when I first heard it, I'm like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe this guy doesn't deserve to be in jail and what did they have and all i know is this guy's an escapee and i was like oh that's such a good 
tease. Links in the show notes, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 817. But if you're wondering how to do a good tease, that's a good tease. And when I heard that, I was like, that is so going into today's episode. As you listen to this, I have just arrived in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm going to be there all week from March 7th and the 8th. I'll be at the Spark Podcast Conference. And then from March 8th through the 11th, I will be at the National Religious Broadcasters, where I'll be doing a 45-minute presentation on podcast monetization. Then I will also be at Podcast Movement Evolutions in Los Angeles. I'm looking forward to that because you know who's going to be there? Scott Johnson from What Was That Like? How cool was that? So I'm looking to uh, uh, maybe buy Scott some sort of uh, beverage. And then in May, I will be speaking at PodFest Multimedia Expo in Orlando. So if you're planning on attending any of those events, uh, definitely let's uh, connect there. And uh, if you're not going, you might want to think about it. Those are some great conferences. Ooh, now that's a good question. The question of the month, and I need this by March 25th, 2022. And we're asking, what keeps you going when your podcast is not growing? So an answer might be something like this. Hey, this is Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting.com where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. And how I keep going is blank. So that's a quick way, a little tagline in there, a little website action, the name of your show, and then right into the question. I'm trying something new this month. I'm using Pod Inbox, and they do have the ability to like chip in. Like you can actually leave a comment. And tip me five bucks and things like that. I just want to let you know, answering the question of the month is completely free. If you want to chip in some money, that's fine. I even have a note there. If you chip in 20, I will send you a copy of my book, Signed. Uh, that's the book, Profit from Your Podcast. But I want to let you know, that is not like, it's just, it's a feature of Pod Inbox. You do not have to chip in any money to answer the question. And please don't forget your website. Just a reminder again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash question by March 25th. Ooh, now that's a good question. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about Audrey.io because I'm going to hit stop here and start editing it because that's the episode that will come out after I come back from Podcast Movement. And if you ever wonder how I haven't skipped a Monday in 17 years, it's because I'm going to be up late tonight editing podcasts. But uh, keep in mind, when I anytime I bring that up, consistency is important in schedule, but consistency in content is twice as important. I would rather have a good show that was late than an on-time show that was meh. I deeply appreciate you listening. If you know somebody that would enjoy this episode as well, could you do me a favor and just pull up your phone or whatever you're listening on and share this with a friend or just tell them to go to schoolofpodcasting.com. I'll see you real soon. And again, if you're in Nashville, please stop by the Lipson booth and say hello. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed.
All right, let's go on to our. Uh, you know, that's a hor- that that's going to be edit point one right there. <laughs> I was going to say let's move on to our next point, but that just sounds. <laughs> So much like not a conversation. This week on the uh, show, Dave finds an edit. How <laughs> <laughs> um, can I? Now you, you want me to figure it, out how to get you into number six? Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I can get you in if you want. Sure. Okay. I remember when somebody thought it was okay if you use the f word as like an adjective, but not a verb. <laughs> and I Let's, was like. Look, let's be honest. It's a perfectly fine word. Um, no, I, I was one in, of my faves. I did stand-up comedy for eight years. Are you kidding? It was a staple. 